Hello and welcome to the All Terrain podcast, brought to you by the Children and Youth Department of the Salvation Army in the United Kingdom and Ireland. I'm Jo Taylor and in each episode I invite a guest to take a hypothetical hike with me as we find out about their real life journey to this point. Along the way they make four choices and answer four questions. In this episode, our guest is Major Heather Popson. Heather is the Salvation Army's Territorial Environmental Officer. She's been an officer since 1993, following training and experience in commercial horticulture. Having worked in the Democratic Republic of Congo for a number of years on community development projects, Heather was seconded to Rwanda during the time of civil war in that country as part of the Army's first emergency response team. This was followed by 17 years as a Corps officer and then 12 years as head of the International Development Unit, first at our territorial headquarters and then international headquarters. Born and raised in Kenya of officer parents, married with two adult children, Heather now oversees and coordinates the practical application of our mark of mission to care for creation where her international experience and love of nature combine to make her a powerful and passionate advocate for this work. That combination also makes for an interesting and thoughtful conversation, which I'm excited for you to hear. So let's get started on our hypothetical hike. So Heather, um, thank you so much for joining us here on the All Terrain podcast. Um, our listeners will have heard a little bit about you already, but could you just tell us what it is you do and what your everyday life looks like? Okay, first of all, Joe, it's really nice to see you again, and thank you for inviting me to do this. Uh, it's it's very exciting and a little bit daunting, I must admit. But um, so I'm Heather Heather Poxon, and I am the territorial environmental officer. And I started this post in October of last year, 2022. And my remit is really to explore and then put into practice bringing our carbon footprint down in the territory. But also within that, well, no, the bigger picture is that one of our mission priorities is to care for creation. Mm. So underneath that, we need to look at our carbon But it's much bigger than that because it's looking at why, as a Christian church, do we need to take this seriously? So it's looking at the theology of that. It's looking at then the practical outworking of that. So we we think in in hearts and hardware. And you have to have both of those together because if you don't do anything practically and you're just enthusiastic about it, Mm. then then we are still going to carry on seeing a warming world with all the implications that that has. But if you just do the hard way, if you just put solar panels up and uh, sort out your insulation and things like that, um, then you'll have resistance from from people who don't really get why we're doing it. So... Yeah. Is both of those things, hearts and hardware. And uh, what, what is my, my work? Day-to-day. Day my day-to-day. Like? Goodness, every day is different. Every day is different. A couple of weeks ago, I was visiting some amazing work in the Forest of Dean. Mm. Uh, and they have rescue ponies and rescue sheep and rescue goats. And they work with the animals, with um, young people with learning difficulties as a therapy for them, doing some incredible stuff there. So I occasionally have a great opportunity to visit some things that are going on around the territory. Just, I, I keep meeting new people who are, who, are, who are interested in the environment and who are doing so much stuff already. I was talking to um, Bethany Munn today uh, in Faversham, that they have... Uh, community wardrobes and school wardrobes and they're working really hard with their council to to just look at why there is poverty in the area Mm. and to address the root causes and we had a fantastic conversation this morning yeah 
Um, I've been developing the the Champions Network. We have a territorial Champions Network, which is growing. And so I was just sorting out the data for that, the figures for that, and I'll share that yeah. with everybody who's involved. Which is brilliant, by the way. Like It is just such a regular dose of, well, that hearts and hardware. I love that because the WhatsApp group for those environmental champions, you see that every day, both of those things, because there's the inspiration from what people are doing and more learning and sharing of information about rationale and theology and all of that kind of heart stuff and Mm -hmm. then seeing how people are practically working that out and the genuine change and transformation that is taking place across the Salvation Army in the UK and Ireland is really brilliant. It is is great, and it's so exciting, Joe, because mm. so much is happening already, and no two places are the same. Mm. There is incredible creativity, and you just feel that God's hand is on this mm. all the way through. And I'm I'm amazed how, because it's a new post, I can I can shape the post really. Yeah. Um, but my days are filled, you know, and there's one. I meet one person who opens the door to another person or another event that's going to be happening. Mm. And there is so much going on. And I, I really do feel a, a growing groundswell of of people engaged with this issue. Yeah. And I think yeah. that we're becoming more and more aware <laughs> this is serious. This is actually yeah. happening. And sadly, you know, for a long time, we just thought it was a, a niche issue. We, we weren't really that concerned. And I think partly because we didn't feel it. Mm. You know, we, we, were, we were fine. We, yeah. we were carrying on living quite comfortably. Yeah. But now, I don't know about you, but in my garden, for example, I'm not seeing hardly any bees, any insects mm. on the flowers. And it's just, it hits you because you think, yeah. this is happening here. And we shouldn't have waited till it happens here because there's millions of people who have been really badly affected by the global warming. But it's it feels like it's the right time, you know, Mm. for a a mass movement to make a difference in this in this territory. Yeah. Oh thanks, Heather. And I think as we get into our conversation I know that every time I speak to you there is there is hope and there is challenge and there's reflection on change that has happened and change that is still to to come and when you talk about the world there is an understanding of of kind of the damage and the pain that exists but also the joy that the natural world when in full working order and in its splendor can bring so I'm looking forward to this conversation. I don't think you need to be daunted because <laughs> I know that people are going to love hearing from you as much as, as I always do. Um, and so we are going to go into those first questions. So every guest makes four choices, four questions that help shape our conversation and our environment as we travel together. So we're going to start with our, our first couple of choices. And the first one is where we're walking today. Right. Okay. So this is an interesting one because I don't actually have a favorite place to walk. I like to explore new places every Mm. time. Um, And so, you know, there's a walk quite, I live in St. Albans and there's beautiful walks around us. Mm. And I would, so there, there are some lovely walks just around here. Um, I love walking along the coastal cliffs. I love walking along a beach. A few years ago, my son and I walked uh, in the north Yorkshire Moors, and we walked for five days just from youth hostel to youth hostel. And most of that was quite wet, but we loved it. You know, the rain was lashing down. We got absolutely soaking, but it was such a great experience. Um, I've walked with work in different places in Africa and we've walked and walked and walked for miles and miles. 
Yeah. And I'm planning a walk on the the Santiago de Compostela. Yeah. Uh, north of Spain. So that's a 500 mile walk. I'm not sure I'm going to make all the 500 miles, but <laughs> I'm really looking forward to it. And it's not about where I'm getting to at the end. It's about the process of just walking, of meeting with people. I want to go on my own because I want to yeah. just be, I like my own company just to just to have quietness and to um, to be free to, to move when I want to move and rest when I want to rest. So that I'm really looking forward to it and I've never been there before. So yeah. it's it's going to be an exciting adventure. So no, there isn't one place that is my favourite. So you just want to explore somewhere, somewhere Absolutely. new? Somewhere new every time. Okay, that's, that's quite fun. I like that idea. I have a terrible sense of direction um, and not a great sense of place generally. But what that does mean for me is even walks that should be familiar can feel quite surprising because I never really know where I am <laughs> there's always an element of um newness on a walk yeah. for me. <laughs> well I suppose the beauty with this country is that every time you walk there'll be a different part of the season and you do see yeah. new things every time it's feel different so yeah yeah no. uh, it's a, a really interesting perspective and obviously you said when you do um sort of this kind of pilgrimage walk you want to be alone but today you get to choose some guests that will be walking in our mystery location with us three people one living one dead and one fictional so who's with us today okay so i'm gonna squeeze my mom and dad into the living okay, okay. i know that's two people i'm sorry about that it's but i can't people. have one without the other really just imagine them as one because they are really okay. a unit <laughs> And they are the living because they have been my inspiration, my my guide, my example. Mm. I love them to bits and they they gave me a lovely upbringing. It yeah. was, I, I had a very, I'm very privileged to have had mm. a good upbringing. Christian parents, their officers, they allowed me to find my own faith as well which mm. what is what I needed. I needed to know, you know, you have your upbringing with, with the things you have to go to because you're still little, you're still a child. Yeah. But then when it was time for me to say, no, this has got to be my faith, mm. they let me go. Yeah. And I, I'm ever indebted to them for that because I, yeah. I made it my own and I had to leave the, the fold, if you like, all the security and just try and explore what what faith meant for me what god meant for me i think because they let me go i came back and yeah, uh, yeah. i think that's really interesting isn't it because sometimes when it's a fairly cliched idea but we're still not very good at doing it particularly when it comes to faith and church life isn't it is is trusting that that sometimes letting go is the best thing to do because coming back when there's been conflict um having to come back and feeling sheepish or judged or any of those things mm. all of those things can make the coming back so much harder can't they yeah whereas the openness is what what allows that return i suppose yeah, yeah. which means that now with my two children who are grown up and left home I, I've, I've done, I've had to do the same thing and, and felt very right about it. it it's felt mm. a bit scary, but it's also, I don't want them to have my faith. Mm. It has to be their own faith they, and they mm. need to know why. So, um, yeah, my mum and dad all rolled into one. Nice. I don't, so that, I don't think I could ask people to choose between a mum and a dad. So no, no, that's, that's fair. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, I know my mum and dad would be furious if I had to pick one, so that's fine. Um, and then, yeah, someone dead and someone fictional. Okay, so the, the person who died is a lady called Wangari Mathai. She died in 2011, mm. and she is a Kenyan. And she is a so, was a social, environmental, and political activist. F 
first African woman to win the Nobel Peace Prize. And she promoted the thinking that women could improve the environment by planting trees. So she actually founded the African Green Belt Movement in 1977. And in the beginning of this century, 30 million trees were planted. And she's just, she's written books. She's an absolute inspiration for me. Um, I was I was born in Kenya, I grew up in Kenya, so I, so she is, she's my hero, she really is, yeah. and I would love to have a conversation with her. I can imagine you two having a conversation. What an incredible legacy to have yeah. known that the world is different physically because of, of your legacy. Because wow. of her, yeah, in fact, yeah. Her, <laughs> it's a bit sad in a way, but her husband divorced her because he felt he, she was too strong as a woman. So, wow. you know, she was some force. Mm. And then my fictional character, I hope this is okay, but growing up as a kid, I my, my dad had this ancient copy of Jungle Book. He used to read that to us as children. Mm. And my, I, I used to dream of being Mowgli. Okay. I wanted to be Mowgli. I wanted to, to live wild yeah. and just be brought up with the animals. <laughs> Swing through the trees and drink and swim from the the ponds and the rivers. That was my yeah. dream. So I don't know that it's... Yeah, I couldn't think of a fictional character now that I would want to be now. But certainly mm. my childhood um, yeah. fictional character was Mowgli. Well, that would help us explore in a whole different kind of way wouldn't it this so then maybe our location then becomes his environment and his world and he helps us explore that yeah in the trees yeah (laughs) and you know knowing where knowing where the good snacks are (laughs) yeah yeah and it's like as an adult you think back to that and you think yeah he would know what was edible he would know the fruit Mm. he would know the medicinal values of all the plants and yeah. and what, what you know how how to survive and we've lost so much of that in our yeah in our development in our civilization uh, we, we've mm. lost the we've lost touch with creation and um, somebody said or I read how first of all we we used to go around with nothing on our feet. We, mm. we would go around barefoot and then we would put shoes on so we were that little bit a, a, away from the ground mm. and then we would ride a bicycle or a, a pony or a horse or something so we were even further mm. away from the ground now we drive in cars or buses yeah. and then planes and we've just removed ourselves from creation further, further, and it's yeah. just yeah and we've lost out because of it we've become poorer mm. um, so what I love seeing as I find out what's happening around the territory is things like muddy church or wild, wild women, you know, it's, yeah. it's just getting outside of our walls. And somebody said that God wrote two books. One was the scripture and one was creation. Mm-hmm. And we've stopped listening to creation and we need to listen again because it's so rich and it tells us so much about God. I remember when I was at the training college in Denmark Fields, um, there's a park nearby and I would go <clears throat> in the free time and just sit and look at the trees. I yeah. love trees. And you watch these trees and you think of the depth of the roots, you think of the decades that they've been growing and mm. they grow and they grow, they shelter um, insects and birds and animals and they take they they go through all the elements all the weathers and they still stand and they're still strong yeah creation just teaches us so much yeah and uh, we need to listen again that all sounds good (laughs) 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 we'll be exploring plenty and um and so we can yeah as we move into our questions and just thinking about how we kind of learn as we journey together and we'll have this conversation we'll ask these questions but I'm just really mindful that it's also a reminder to to go outside and to learn 
plan there too and mm. maybe people listening like I know a lot of people will be listening in headphones as they walk and um as they're outside and uh, maybe taking time to listen to both the words but also making sure there's space to breathe deeply and listen to the environment around you yeah. could That's be really great. important too um so we know where we are we know well we don't know where we are we'll find out where we are <laughs> we know who with us who's with us but um so we'll move on to that that first question um how do you face change when I was growing up I remember we would because I I, I grew up in Kenya and we moved mum and dad had a couple of different two or three different appointments in Kenya and we would come to this country on holiday and then when I was 15 we actually moved here to live in this in the UK every time I moved it was an adventure hmm. I loved it I, I I really I actually really enjoy change yeah and I know some people who have moved a lot in their childhood don't want to move anymore they st- really struggle with change with needing to to find new friends um you know in school and and the trauma of just starting all over again. For some reason, I enjoyed the challenge. I enjoyed yeah. the change. And then when we've moved in our, in our work, in our appointments, I've actually, the, there's always been a bit of grief in letting go, in leaving people. It's always been about people behind. Yeah. But I've been excited about new relationships new opportunities Mm. so change is not on the whole it's not daunting I think that one of the things that has maybe affected me in a not so positive way is that uh, I don't have long-term friendships Mm. because we've moved and I've changed um now, maybe some of that is my own fault because I haven't kept in touch as I should have done. And when people say, oh, well, you know, where do you call home? Mm. I don't have yeah. a place that I call home, apart from, you know, where my family, where I'm living now, obviously. Yeah. But my my roots, my home, I I don't have that kind of that kind of stability Mm. but I don't have a problem with that yeah does that make sense I mean it makes a lot of sense to me as someone with a similar childhood for similar reasons and we used to call it itchy feet I'd get itchy feet after I'd lived anywhere for more than a few years (laughs) I was always ready like as um even as a child, yeah, the same. It didn't identifying with the sadness of leaving mm. somewhere, but I was always really ready to embrace something, mm. something new. Um, and I've had to work really hard to learn to settle, <laughs> yeah. um, and to learn to kind of be in a place because naturally I've I've been really hungry for the next next adventure, and so. Yeah. where I've now lived in one place for I no longer have to put multiple addresses on a DBS application form which is wild to me (laughs) um (laughs) so I've had to find other ways of of seeking out adventure and challenge and Mm. and newness really so I do identify I've had to start I mean this where we are now is the longest I've lived anywhere is we've been here 12 years now yeah and uh I'm discovering now what it means to settle yeah. and to to build those relationships and find that people actually trust you mm. because you've been there for a while. You know, and maybe I didn't realise what I was missing because I've moved and moved and moved. The thinking both from looking back and looking forward, so looking forwards you think well yeah I'm, I'm likely to be here for quite a few years which means I can 
I can plan for this and this and this rather than, well, we're leaving next year, so there's no point in doing anything. And that is that's quite lovely, actually, to be settled <laughs> in one place. Yeah. Um, but yes, the itchy feet after three or four years, <laughs> it, yeah, it's there. <laughs> yeah. But how do you, because I, I think in all of that, there's something about there's, exci- there's excitement and there's opportunity there. And I think I see that in this, like you're in a new role. So you're living in the same place, but you're in a new role with your work. And so instead of being daunted by that, you seems like you look at the, the kind of challenge and the opportunity. Have there mm. been things that have helped you do that, do you think? Or is it, are there things that you actively do to, to make that your experience? I don't think there's anything I actively do. But I do think that there is an underlying belief that God has me Mm. and he holds me. And some might say it's a little naive, but I, I do believe that God places me where he wants me. And so he knows better than I do what's ahead and what, what, what's in today. He knows the circumstances. He's chosen them, I believe. Um, He puts you amongst the people he wants you to be amongst for his purposes. Um, So that, knowing that there's there's a bigger plan, knowing that it's his purpose, it's not my purpose, it's his. Yeah. And I, I might not know or understand that purpose. And some of that purpose may be that I'm, he's training, he's knocking the rough edges off of me. You know, he's, he's training me. He's, mm. you know, our, our, our lives and especially the, the more difficult sides of our lives is, is often about him wanting us to become more like Jesus. And if everything was, if, if everything was smooth, then... I think we'd be pretty shallow people, wouldn't we? So I believe that whatever the challenge is, whatever the change is, I have a fundamental belief that there's a reason. Yeah. And I trust him with that. I, I can't, I don't think I can live without that belief mm. because it wouldn't make sense and it would mean that I was, I didn't stick at it. I, I didn't, yeah. I don't move. I don't change of my own will very easily. Don't change a direction or a choice of something I do very easily because I think I've been handed an opportunity to, because God has a purpose in it and I need to Mm -hmm. find that purpose and live out that purpose. If it feels like I'm, I'm just in the wrong place and sometimes it does, then I see it as God's training. His, his, his honing, mm. his, sh- his fashioning, shaping. Yeah. And there's no point in kicking against it. And that's not to say I don't get upset. And, <laughs> uh, you know, life yeah. can be very, seem very unfair and very cruel at times, but that's, that's all part of the college of life. Yeah. Now, and that does move us into our, we've started to move into that next question of, of how, of how you move through suffering. And so how do you <laughs> move through suffering? And I hear that kind of, those foundational beliefs that help you do that. But, but what does that actually look like? How, how do I'll let you answer in your own words rather than taking your answer from one question and making it the answer to another. How do you move through suffering? Do you have times sometimes when you don't know how to pray and you only have tears and all you can actually say to God is help? I don't know if that's moving through suffering, but sometimes you're at that place where there is nothing you can do but ask for help or cry out. I remember when we were in an appointment which we needed, the the children were 
my son was seven. They were they were young. We just moved to this place and we had to find a school for them. And my son, because he was seven, he'd only known one school so far before that move. And he had to move to this place where everybody spoke with a different accent. And he desperately missed his friends. Every night he would cry himself to sleep. As a mother, you know, you can say, well, this is God's appointment and he has the family in his hands and this must be right. But as a mother, you watch your your boy mm. struggling. That was one of those moments where you just cry for help because you can't see you can't see a way out. You can't see it getting better. And you know it's hurting him and he's wounded. And you don't know what that's going to do for him and his, his life, his psyche, his, his upbringing, development. And so with my crying, my, I was also praying just for help. And I, I read about the story of Hagar being sent away with her son, Ishmael. And how she she hid him under a bush to die because she couldn't feed him anymore. She couldn't look after him, and she went off to a place which was a bit further further away. And it says, the Lord heard the boy crying, and then provided Hagar with some water, and a direction, and a hope, and. Soon after that, we were able to move to a different area, which had a perfect school for him. And he was yeah. he was fine. He was happy. Yeah. And it was just like the Lord had heard him cry. Yeah. And he had this whole experience in his hands. But whether, you know, what? how does it work? Does God wait till we cry? Or do we, I think we have to be real. I think, well, we, of course we do. God knows us. He knows our emotions. Yeah. He knows how we're feeling. And he wants us to express that. And I don't think necessarily he waits until we do. But it's about being real with God, but also trusting him. Mm. Does that answer your question a little bit? Yeah, I think it yeah. does. Um, well, it's, I mean, it's your answer, isn't it? So... Yeah, absolutely answers it and the question is like how do you move through <laughs> suffering and I think that reminder of that kind of crying out of that allowing yourself to feel the anguish and share that with with God and all of that is is really really helpful um and what what comes next for you in that process like I guess sometimes the the answer is Sometimes you see or feel or kind of know the answer. But then sometimes there isn't resolution and there isn't, it doesn't get better. I'm thinking about like the various appointments that you've had and the, the work that you've been in and we'll talk about it. There will have been like joy and hope and wonder in all of those places. I, I know that you've been up close to some, some real pain not just your own but that of others that that doesn't really ever find resolution and so do we just do we just keep crying out like is there is sometimes that enough you think I think it is sometimes I think that's mm. what we're called to I think we're called to be people who cry out mm. who, who don't who don't stay silent mm. um, we cry out when there's injustice we have yeah. to if God fashions us to be more like Jesus, if he puts his spirit in us, uh, and if his spirit is one where there is a spirit who is a spirit of justice and reconciliation and shalom, then when we encounter anything that's not those things, in our in our own selves or we see those things or we experience those things then i think that we 
damage ourselves and damage our walk with God if we don't cry out. Mm. And he may not choose to answer us the way we want him to or when we want him to. In the crying out, I mean, you see the prophets, they they cried out all the time. And I, I sometimes I read about their lives and I wonder how much joy they actually had because yeah. it seems like it's so hard. Yeah. But it burnt in their bones. They couldn't help but cry out. Mm. And there have been times when there have been things that I haven't been able to fix. You know, you want to fix things. And having children, is you want to fix things for them. You want everything to be lovely. And, and it's not. And it's mm. and you cry out to God and, and you say, God, you know, you love my children more than I love them even. What are you doing? Why is this <laughs> happening? I went to Rwanda just after the genocide and would hear stories of people watching members of their family being cut down and killed. And the trauma, 50% of the children had seen one of the members of their family being killed. And you think of what that does to them in their souls. Yeah. And at the same time, you feel so powerless, so helpless. And you cry out to God because there is nothing else. I mean, you, yes, okay, you can do a lot of practical things. You can listen and you can counsel. And, but you know the, the hardest and the biggest thing that would bring the most healing is, is about forgiveness. But, mm. but I can't tell somebody else to forgive when I haven't watched that happen to my family. There is only so much you can do, but you cry out to God. At how, God, did you allow this injustice to happen? and you know when you're face to face with it you realize that it's very trite and easy to say well you know god isn't going to make us into robots he's not going to force us to do the right thing mm. but when you're actually faced with it and you see the you see the suffering that's not good enough and so i came back from rwanda with a lot more questions mm. for god so it's there's, there aren't easy answers joe you know that as well and yeah. and sometimes we are called to cry out without understanding mm. why this happens but we can do that this is very upsetting joe <laughs> cry. i know our conversations are normally much happier than this aren't they <laughs> i i think it's the reality isn't it and i think you can't talk about suffering without acknowledging that for that sometimes it is just the crying out like I think that's why I really like the wording of this question like how do you move through suffering because it's not about moving past because sometimes that doesn't happen but but it is the whole of life isn't it and mm. sometimes there is there is pain and part of life is to grief and lament and actually we have a God that models that and is mm. and through the Bible that's there's huge a huge proportion of the Bible is just people being sad or lost or grieving mm. or angry. And mm. and so to join in with the kind of the experience of being like Jesus or to know what it is to be fully human is to know what it is to, to cry out yeah, um, for ourselves but for others as well. Absolutely. Yeah. We're, we're and, not, and not having the answers. Like, no. I love knowing things, so not being able to answer things generally I it does my head in but <laughs> yeah. actually I think our faith is stronger not when we make up an answer that doesn't make up a response that doesn't actually answer the question it's mm. far more honest to go it's just something that we cannot we cannot know and that's really honest and really important I think you're right yeah. and I think that this whole uh, idea of lament this whole mm. crying out is something that we're not very good at in the church. Mm. You know, mm. how are you? Oh, I'm fine. We move on. Yeah. And we're not, we like to say, we like to put on a front which says, we're fine, we're coping. Mm. We don't, we're not very good at saying, actually, life is rubbish at the moment. Mm. And I, I, I don't know what I'm doing. And I don't know where I'm going. And I'm going under. We're not good mm. at that. And it, I think yeah. that it's meant that we're, I know the word fellowship is a little bit twee, but 
the fellowship isn't actually is not is not deep it's not real mm. we're not actually connecting with each other where i think that there is so much more we can do about sharing our reality mm. and then finding that other people are also broken and struggling yeah. and need someone just to talk that through yeah and and not just within the church not just within our congregation mm. but to reach out to be a community who who cares for each other whatever your religion or none yeah and we have the capacity to do that we need to bring the lament back possibly in order to bring a, a deeper joy back yeah and we will um and let's get there together heather let's let's move past the sad bits and let's add some extra layers in that now as we carry on with our conversation um gonna take a little breather by making another a choice if we were to listen to anything as we were walking i don't know if you ever put things in your ears but if we were to listen to something as we were walking what would that be well joe again i'm i'm sorry but if i'm outside and i'm walking i want to listen to the birds okay (laughs) (laughs) i don't listen to music when i'm outside i i stop and i listen and if I'm walking for, through a forest, I really like to just stop and be completely still for about 10 minutes at mm. least. And at first, everything's very quiet. Mm. But then gradually, the birds don't realise you're still there. Yeah. Or the mice start crawling around or all the squirrels start shouting at each other. It's just alive and fantastic and beautiful. We went... We went to the park the other day and we went to have some lunch just to sit down actually it wasn't a park it was a it was a church graveyard but it's got a lovely area where you can sit and have some lunch and we went and sat down but there was this group of people who had decided to bring a radio with them and their music was really blaring out and they were really enjoying the music and it was fine yeah but I thought you're missing the birds you know so that's what I would do I would listen to the birds Sorry, it's not music. I mean, if I'm in my kitchen and I'm getting a meal ready or something, then I will put on things that I, as a teenager, I grew up with ABBA and Carpenters and, you know, all the Boney M and, um, oh, just, yeah, all of that. You are not the first person that has wanted us to just listen to the sounds around us. And as... The Salvation Army's environment officer, that feels appropriate anyway. So I will allow it. But also I'm glad to know that you do listen to music and I'm interested that it's it's what it is. And that sounds (laughs) all adds to that that understanding of you as a as a joyful person, I think. (laughs) Um and so we can answer that question now. How do you receive joy? I think I'm generally a positive person I think I'm mm-hmm. quite an optimist I think I notice I love my family I love the simple things of life it sounds weird to say but I loved lockdown yeah. you know not because of all the horrible stuff all the illness stuff but I loved being able to just sit in the garden look at the flowers listen to the birds I loved going for a walk with the family in the park I love going out for a meal with my husband. I I love meeting friends for a coffee. I love the work that I'm doing. Yeah. You know, I, I, I used to work in international development and I loved that. And I never thought there would be anything better than that. But now I'm in this, this is even better. Yeah. <laughs> I just love it. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know how... I don't know how to answer your question, really. I just... I think you have answered the question. You've chosen joy, haven't you, Heather? Like you... Well, I don't feel I've chosen it. It's just there. It's just like, you know, I can hear the birds now. I can see the blue sky. I love the sunshine. I'm not so great with it's cold and wet. But we (laughs) need the rain now. (laughs) (laughs) I love my kids. I love them to bits. I just absolutely adore them. I love family stuff. I love us playing games together as a family. I don't know what else to say. 
You don't have to say anything. You don't have to say anything else. We've said a lot. We've had a long conversation so far. And I think you helping us, I think a lot of people will have lives that are similar to yours. And a reminder that there is a joy in all of that is actually really helpful. And I've said this a lot of times, but I love hearing um, people talk about the things that make them joyful because it's infectious and I feel more joyful just for you having told me what makes you joyful and so um <laughs> good I think that can absolutely be enough for right okay. now good. um okay. so that's fine and um fine. and we can make another another choice and it's our it's our final choice what would be in our snack bag well I would have in my snack bag well during lockdown I learned how to make sourdough bread oh wow so I would have freshly baked sourdough bread oh, covered yeah. with peanut butter. Amazing. And a crisp Braeburn apple and a flask of fresh real coffee with hot oat milk. Brilliant. That would be my that would be my snack. I will leave you to your coffee, um, but I don't I don't resent you for choosing that. It's a popular choice. I'm excited about it. I love bread. It's one of my, it's just brilliant. Bread is brilliant. And a good sourdough. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. What a lockdown achievement. You can feel good about that, I think. Sourdough bread <laughs> and kombucha. Have you had kombucha? Uh, yes, yeah. I have, yeah. So my family learn- are kombucha makers. Yeah, yeah. it's great. So, um, so I've, I've got one on the go at the moment. Amazing. Um, but I love kombucha as well. But not too much because it makes your tummy hurt. Okay. I've never Just... had so much. It's done. This, so <laughs> it's good to bear in mind. <laughs> <laughs> and our final question, um, Heather, is this how do you mature in service? Is that something that you do on purpose or is it something that just happens? I think it just happens. Okay. I'm not sure. I mean, when. When I was an officer, I am still an officer, sorry. When I, <laughs> when I was, the beginning years of my officership, uh, we would have an evaluation quite regularly of how, how, how are you doing, you know. Mm. And the question that I found the hardest to answer was, how have you grown spiritually? I really struggled with that because how do you measure how you grow spiritually? Do you pray for longer? Do you do better sermons? Do you visit more people? How do you how do you measure your spirituality? I really, really struggled with that. And then after a while, I thought, I'm not going to stress about it. I'm just going to say that I continue to walk with God as best yeah. I possibly can. And I think that while you keep in touch with the Lord, while you commune with him, just in the everyday, he and and you go through those sufferings and those joys and those challenges. Mm. He does that in you. And I think it's like you know when you when you observe someone who's got a real lovely gift or a really strong gift of some something, a really good writer or something. Mm. That person can never see it in themselves. They say, "Well, anybody can do that." Mm. And I think it's the same with your spiritual maturity, I think it happens. And maybe it's for other people to say rather than yourself. Mm-hmm. Because you could actually say that as a child, you, you have a, a more simplistic and stronger faith than you do as an adult. So maybe you don't necessarily grow in maturity, but you need to actually grow in immaturity. <laughs> No, that's not yeah. right, is it? But you know what no, I'm saying? In a simplicity. Yeah, I do know what you're saying. But I I think I would push back, actually. Because you sort of said it just happens, but it just ha- you then you also said that while you are kind of regularly communing with God and going through the pain and the all those kind of things. Like those things don't just happen, do they? Like that that's a choice too and the the kind of growth in your that deepening of your spirituality and spiritual maturity and 
and that kind of growth in knowing what you're for and how you work that out and the skill of a writer it might take someone else to observe that it's happened but it hasn't just happened it's happened because of the things that you have done day in day out to make that reality yeah I suppose I suppose my thinking is a bit like you know when you're a child you grow up you go to school and you you do these things because that's what life is about that's what you're expected to do and and Mm. you you have to do them and you don't actually realize you don't consciously realize that as a child you're you are learning so much you're absorbing Mm. so much and and then I suppose as you grow spiritually your experience of how God has spoken to you how he has made sense of a mess or a difficult challenge in the past will then help you face a new challenge in the future so you have maybe a growing confidence in not in not in the answers because I think sometimes that doesn't that doesn't work that way sometimes you've got Mm. less answers as you grow but you have a growing confidence a growing trust that God does know and Mm. he is your guide and he will take you and show you the path that he wants you to go on and so there's a there is a a growing peace settling in your mind and your soul about being in God And it's not about trying to reach there, but it's about realizing that he's already there. He's in you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's allowing it, that realization of God within, the Holy Spirit within, takes away the striving of Christianity, I think. Mm. Because you're, 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 you're in him, he's in you. I'm not sure we understand God any better as we grow. I think we actually understand him less. (laughs) Oh, I think we certainly, like, I mean, if you're living in this world and you're experiencing all of life, I think you have to, you would have to walk around with your eyes closed and your fingers in your ears to not have more questions. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. As you experience, as you experience more. Yeah, I think that's where we come unstuck is because I think there can, sometimes we do do that. We do <laughs> close our eyes and put our fingers in our ears because there's a discomfort with the questions and so we'd just rather not have them. <laughs> yeah. um, we'd rather pretend that there are really simple answers and be satisfied with that. Yeah. But I think yeah, the growth comes true. in knowing that, allowing ourselves to kind of think and be stretched and be pushed. And, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, to be uncertain. Yeah, to find being, certainty in that uncertainty. I being think. comfortable with being uncertain. Yeah. 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 Finding certainty in, in that. Absolutely. Yeah. And knowing that it's okay. We don't yeah. have to have the answers. Yeah. But sometimes that then leads to a crying out. But then mm. even the crying out is evidence of a belief that somebody's listening. Yeah. Yeah. And it's okay. Yeah. It's okay to be, it's okay to hold this tension within. Mm. I think about your kind of experiences that have brought you to the role that you're in now. And and I think that kind of when you think about maturity and service, I think one of the reasons you speak with such integrity about, and people listen to you when you talk about this stuff is because of your experiences because you've always loved the natural world, haven't you? And that's come across like as a child and you were brought up to do that and that kind of inbuilt love of, of nature and, and the environment and the way that you've always sought to, to kind of be connected with the world and then the appointments that you've had overseas and the way that that's connected you with people who are on the sharp end of the, of the climate crisis. It feels like because you've paid attention, because you've paid attention to the world around you and to what God is showing to you and then sort of connect with God. Actually, that's led you to 
this place and to be able to do the job you're doing now in the way that you're doing it that brings an issue that can feel like it's either an issue for other people or and so all of that for me is like a real classic example of that how we mature in service it's Mm -hmm. taking all of life and the experiences that we have and you've paid you've paid attention Heather I think that's what I sometimes think about how so often in the Bible, particularly I think in the Old Testament, so many people found who they were supposed to be quite late on in life Mm. or or God called them quite late on in life. And um, I do feel that this is just, like I said before, the right timing. Um, Mm. And I feel ready for this. And I think God does, he, he prepares you, doesn't he? He works on you and you don't see what's coming. I had no idea that this would even ever happen. But the other day, actually it was only yesterday, I had a conversation with somebody. I said to her, look, you know, I come into London and I see all these huge businesses. I see the pollution. I I." I sense the air pollution. You go up north and you see the big chim- the big chimneys from the mm. factories polluting. You see all the waste. You see you see all of this stuff happening, and and you know that in some countries it's, it just feels like nobody really cares. Mm. And then, and I said it makes me look at what am I. What are we actually achieving? What mm. what are we achieving, really? And when you sense that the government is not really listening to the electorate, but listening to the big businesses, the Shells, the BP, where they've got investments, you know, that those are the ones that seem to be making the decisions, the big decisions when it comes to climate change. Mm. But I said... What I do know is that we have a God who redeems. We have a God who has promised us a new earth and a new heaven. We have a God of hope. And he asks us to work with him towards that place, Mm. that redeemed place. And I said, I, I don't know how he's going to do it or how we're going to get there but he's God he knows Mm. Mm. and so sometimes it's easy to feel quite despairing in this yeah this space having said that this is his world and he knows what's going to happen in the future and he has said that there will be a new heaven and a new earth So together, we, all of us, have to put our trust in him Mm. and and work our socks off. And that's that's why, that's where the challenge is. That's where the crying out is. That's where the joy is as well, though, Mm. because it's God. Well, on that note, I think we can say thank you, Heather, for joining us. On the podcast. Um, thank you for sharing your experience and for your heart. And um, yeah, I hope people have heard that and feel challenged and inspired and encouraged, really, to pay attention generally, but also to think about like, this incredible world we've been gifted, what that call to be stewards of it looks like. Thank you, Jo. It's been a pleasure, an absolute pleasure. Thank you for the well thought through questions. <laughs> lovely to see you again. Thanks, Heather. Well, I hope you enjoyed getting to know Heather as much as I have done. I'm always inspired and encouraged by Heather to consider how I can use my time, voice and everyday choices 
to do more to combat climate change because she always speaks out of a deep love for our world, those people already most severely impacted and God. There are so many ways you can find out more and get involved too. We'll include a link to the Salvation Army's Care for Creation page in the show notes so you can do just that. We'd also love for you to join in with this and all of our terrain conversations. Head to Facebook and search for the All Terrain Conversations and join our group there. It's a space to share the things that resonated or challenged or the questions that were raised so we can expand on the wisdom in each episode. I would love to hear from you. If you're enjoying these chats, don't forget to hit the follow button wherever you get your podcasts. This will mean every episode drops straight into your phone, making sure that you don't miss out. We'd also love it if you could share the podcast across your social media channels. And if you're listening on Apple, we'd love it if you could give the show a rating or write us a review. All of those things help us get the show heard by even more people. Our always brilliant sketch notes and an article that accompany each episode can be found by searching for the All Terrain podcast or clicking the link in the episode description. I'll be back soon with another guest who will be facing the four choices, answering the four questions and sharing their wisdom learned along the way on the All Terrain podcast. So until then, goodbye and thanks for listening.